Welcome to Facebook Live. Today I'm so glad that you have joined me. I trust that you had a glorious Christmas. We're all looking forward to 21, 2021. I said to my daughter today, you know, people talk about a new normal. Well, it's going to be a new normal, all right, but it's going to be a better new normal. In other words, people are going to begin to live normally, naturally, out of their nature. We are going to continue on mind-brain connections today. This is lesson number 106, and we're going to talk about three levels of thought. And this will be the introduction to something that we're going to be dealing with for a number of weeks. We're going to talk about three level of thoughts, three levels of thought or consciousness or awareness. And I want to give you those three levels as we begin today, and then we'll go on and explain and give examples and so forth. The first level is the super consciousness. Someone says, what in the big round world is the super consciousness? Well, it's the right side. It's the mind of Christ. It's the realm of spirit. Now, let me hasten to say that there's only one consciousness. There's only one consciousness. And you see, as we bring the Christ thoughts to our individual awareness, then those Christ thoughts habitually, once we speak them and once we meditate upon them habitually, they will be deposited into the subconscious. And we're going to talk about that, what the subconscious does. But there's only one consciousness objectively. And what we want to do is we want to subjectively experience that one consciousness throughout every level of awareness or consciousness that we have. So number one is the super consciousness, and it has to do with the Christ mind or the realm of spirit or the right side. The next level is the individual consciousness or individual awareness. That's the garden. That's where we sow the seed. That's why we say many times we are to keep the garden. What does that mean? We're not to think out of our brain. We're not to think out of the left side of mere intellect and human reasoning and logic in and of itself. Now, God gave us the left side, nothing wrong with it, but it was given to us to yield to the Christ mind, to the thoughts of the Christ mind. And then we have the super conscious level, or excuse me, the subconscious level. And once we deposit the thoughts from the right side into the left side, and as I said, habitually think upon them, meditate upon them, then they begin to be lodged in the subconscious realm. That's where we begin to experience, in a deeper level, fruit that remains. That's when it even bypasses our mind, even our mind that has been renewed, the renewing mind. It even bypasses that. I'm going to give you an example of that as we go on. But it just automatically begins to produce fruit that remains, spontaneous fruit that remains. That's the subconscious. Once we have reprogrammed the subconscious, because there's been a lot of negativity that has been sown into our subconscious from the ages of one to six at a time when we could not counteract the thoughts. Maybe, for example, we were told we were worthless or will never amount to nothing. Well, we couldn't balance that out because we did not know the truth. So we're going to talk about the superconscious, the individual conscious level, and the subconscious level. Now, let me say something about the subconscious since we're mainly going to be talking about that. That is the part, the subconscious part, is the part that stores data. It retrieves data. 
Its job is to ensure that we respond exactly the way that we have been programmed in the subconscious. It makes everything that we do and that we say fit a pattern that is consistent with our self-concept. It's the master program. The subconscious is subjective. It doesn't think on its own. It cannot think on its own. It cannot reason on its own. It cannot reason independently. It cannot think independently. It is there to retrieve. It is there to take the thoughts that we put in our conscious awareness. Now, I want to give you a few scriptures as we begin today. And the first one is found in Genesis <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse 28. Because it talks about three realms. Superconscious, it talks about the individual consciousness, and it talks about the subconsciousness. If we can see the esoteric and the allegorical meaning of what we see here in Genesis 1.28. So let me read that. It says, And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, if we're going to look at this in a deep, esoterical, allegorical reality, we have to see that the birds of the air refer to the individual consciousness. You know, you've heard people say, well, you can let a bird fly over your head, but don't let it build a nest in your hair. Well, that's talking about the fact that we don't have to receive every thought that comes to us. So the birds of the air represent the individual consciousness. The fish of the sea, fish are in the depth of the sea, represents the deeper subconscious level that is close to the conscious awareness level, the individual awareness. And then the phrase, every living thing that moveth upon the earth refers to the superconscious level, everything that moveth, that liveth, you see. That's talking about the superconscious level, which is, as we said, the right side or the Christ mind. So it's very important that we rewrite the script of what has been placed in our subconscious. Because you see, the subconscious can sabotage us. I call it the success door or the failure door. So it's important that the right seeds be sown into the subconscious part. And that happens as we bring the Christ thoughts into our individual awareness, that that will reprogram the subconscious of any negative thoughts that are in there, that are lodged in there. Now, let me read another verse. In John 10.10, 10, and of course we know the beginning of John 10.10 10 talks about the thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But it goes on to say, I am come, talking about Christ Jesus, I am come that they might have, key word, that they might have, not get life, we always have life. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it, two times have is used, more abundantly. What does that word have mean? It's not referring to us getting life. We came here with life. We were given life from before the foundation. And then when we came here physically, we had that life. So the word have means to hold. It means to conceive. Where do we hold things? Where do we hold thoughts? Where are thoughts conceived and quickened by our Holy Spirit? Well, within our individual awareness or consciousness. That's where we hold the truth. We plant the seed in the garden. We hold it there. It's conceived there. Jesus, in his parable concerning the sower sowing the seed, he called the ground the heart. 
Now I know some call the subconscious the heart. That's just a deeper part of the heart, which we'll talk about. Then the word abundantly. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The word abundantly there means to experience all or anything whenever you want. For example, Ephesians 1.3, 2 Peter 1.3 talks about the fact that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. We have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. So you see, we have it objectively, but we want to experience it subjectively or in manifestation. Once it is held, once it is conceived within our conscious awareness and habitually rehearsed, habitually held to, habitually meditated upon, then it's going to find a lodging place within the subconscious, and the subconscious then really begins to deal with fruit that remains. It begins to deal with just the automatic flow of the presence of God and the things that we have an apparent need of, and it will even bypass our thinking. And we'll talk about that once we get into Peter and talk about him. Now, you can have negative programming within the subconscious, and if you do, and we all have, religious legalism can all be programmed in that subconscious because we've held it in our individual conscious for so many years, and it can sabotage us. And we're going to see a scripture where someone was sabotaged because of the legalism that had been in the individual awareness, but then lodged in the subconsciousness. Look what it says in Romans chapter 7 and verse 12. And of course, you know, we know that Jesus said, these things shall you do and greater. And I'm going to give you an example of that. But let me read that in John 14, 12, where Jesus said a people would do greater things even than he did. It says there, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do and greater works then thee shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, Jesus healed people, performed miracles and signs and wonders and healings by speaking words of spirit and life. He would say to them, thy faith is made thee whole, take up thy bed and walk, and so forth. He would pray over the people. Now, we know that Jesus said that he did not do anything but what he saw the Father do. He didn't say anything but what he heard the Father say. In other words, he turned within and he was spirit-led or he was led by the Christ consciousness within him. Now, here's what I want to show the difference in concerning. Jesus said we would do greater works. Do you know that Peter's shadow was an example of the greater works? Of all people swearing, cursing Peter who denied Jesus three times, Jesus healed people the way he healed people because he dealt with them on their level. They needed to hear him speak the word. Peter, though, evidently had sown the seed from his right side, the Christ mind, into his individual awareness habitually. It lodged in his subconscious. And I'm going to give this picture because it doesn't say he was walking down the street, but I'm going to say that he was walking down the street and as people came in contact with his shadow, they were healed. I think it bypassed his mind. I think it bypassed what Peter thought was going to happen. I think he probably didn't even know who was healed. What was the shadow? The shadow was 
Peter was walking in a higher level of vibration and this word that he'd sowed into his individual consciousness habitually and probably spoke habitually and probably meditated upon habitually, Lodge found a lodging place in his subconscious. And I believe it was the aura that came out of Peter as a result of the high level of vibration, the aura or the high level of vibration that flowed out of Peter. They tell us today that when a person is living on a high level of vibration, that aura or whatever you want to call that, that vibrational level reaches out of them up to 31 feet. Now again, I believe that Peter showed us a picture of the greater works because I believe it bypassed his mind or anything that he was ever thinking of. It just was fruit that remained and it automatically, unconsciously in Peter began to flow out. Jesus, on the other hand, spoke words of spirit and life. Why? That's where the people were at that time. However, there are a people today, that, and we still pray for people and lay hands on people. Don't misunderstand. We certainly do. But there are a people today that are learning these truths and they're beginning to draw out of their own well and they are experiencing what Luke the physician said when he said, physician, heal thyself. So you see, Peter, I believe, was an example of the greater works here. Now, what we want to do is we want to reprogram, if we have, and we all do, have negative thoughts and legalism, seeds of legal thinking, seeds that were seeds of negativity that were sown in us maybe when we were children. If we have those negative seeds, we can rewrite the script and we can reprogram the subconscious simply by bringing the seed thoughts, the sperma, the, the seed of the thoughts of Christ, the renewing mind, the Christ mind, and we can become aware of those thoughts. For example, when we see something that appears negative in the appearance realm, rather than judging it by the appearance, we can discern it by righteous judgment. You know, Jesus and Isaiah both said, don't judge by the seeing of the eyes and the hearing of the ear, but judge righteous judgment. So when we see an appearance that is negative, what we can do is sow the seeds into our conscious awareness, our individual awareness, and not judge that thing as something that's going to take us down or take someone else down. Now let me give you an example in Romans chapter 7 and verse 19, where I believe, now whether this was Paul's experience or whether he was just talking in a third person like we do sometimes when we have something to say that might be a little troublesome to an individual, we may use the words we instead of you have this issue, or you have this problem. We may say we, you know, kind of including us so it's not so hard for them to take. So whether Paul was doing that, I'm not sure here in Romans chapter 7. But I believe, if it was Paul the Apostle, he had had some legalism that was sown into his subconscious, some negative thinking that was sown in his subconscious. And look what it did to him, if this was really Paul. Look what it did to him in verse 19 of Romans 7. He says, therefore, the good that I would, I do not but the evil which I would not that I do. In other words, he was saying what I want to do, I find myself not doing. What I can't do, I find myself doing. In other words, there was some legalism that had lodged in his individual consciousness, got down into his subconscious level, and sabotaged him. 
It came against his will. It came against what he wanted to do. And this is what happens when we have negativity that is sown in the subconscious. It can sabotage our life. For example, if we were raised in a home where there was a lot of negative talking or maybe there was a lot of poverty and they didn't know, you know where the next meal was going to come from, those negative thoughts can lodge in the subconscious and no matter how hard a person tries to not be that way, they can do the very things that they don't want to do, just like it says here in Romans 7 and verse 19. Have you ever had an experience where you said something or you did something and, and your words after that was, I have no idea where that came from. I have no clue why I said that. And you see, Paul the Apostle in verse 24 of Romans chapter 7 called himself a wretched man. Now, obviously, he was able to then reprogram the subconscious by putting the truth into his individual awareness or consciousness and he was able to rewrite the script that was in his subconscious that was negativity or legalism obviously he did that because his life totally changed and he was very successful in life now science tells us that in our first six to eight years some people differ on this but they say in our first six to eight years our subconscious is programmed either with positive, if we heard positive affirmations, or negativity, if we heard a lot of negativity in our life growing up. And the reason why that we could not combat, we didn't know very much, we weren't very conscious of the truth. In fact, we probably weren't conscious of hardly any truth in the first eight years of our life. And so if someone said, well, you're not going to amount to anything, well, we just thought, well, we're not going to amount to anything. And the more we thought about that, and we'll bring imagination into this and feeling into that, you know, that caused us a, to have a feeling, especially the negativity. If someone told us we can't do this, we can't do that, we're not going to amount to anything, we're unworthy. Because we did not know the truth at that time, we had nothing to, com to combat or to counteract those thoughts that were sown into us. And so, therefore... It hindered us. It sabotaged us. It, it, really, it really did a number on us many times as we were growing up. Now, another thing about the subconscious part that we need to understand is that it never forgets. Your subconscious never forgets, and that's why it has to be reprogrammed. It has to consciously be reprogrammed by putting another upload. Notice I didn't say a download, but by putting an upload into our individual awareness, it then will cause those thoughts to be lodged into the subconscious and we will find ourselves eventually having the, the success door opened to where we're no longer sabotaged. We're no longer having condemnation and guilt and so forth. Now, the subconscious is also a memory bank. In fact, listen to this. By the time we reach the age of 21, we have permanently, we have permanently, unless we reprogram, permanently stored more than 100 times the contents of the entire Encyclopedia Britannica. So not only does our subconscious never forget, do you know your subconscious never sleeps? In fact, that's where your dreams come from, from the subconscious. You may have some really horrible dreams. Well, they come, most of the time, they come from the subconscious realm. Now, the fact that the subconscious never forgets, have you ever had a smell? You smelled something, 
that immediately transported you back maybe to your grandparents' home or to your aunt or uncle's home? Why? Because it never forgets. The subconscious always remembers. It never forgets. I, I can remember one time, and, and this is something that happened to me several times, someone threw a blanket over my head and then gave me a bear hug and just held me in there for a while. And I remember saying, I can't breathe, let me out of here. I can't breathe, let me out of here. And you know what? That obviously reached my subconscious because from that time on, I was very claustrophobic of CT scans or MRIs. Only now am I at the place where that doesn't bother me anymore. But for many years, they had to give me a conscious sedation just to do an MRI or a, a, a CT scan on me. So the subconscious is very powerful. It is that which can sabotage. It is that which can bring success in our lives automatically. It is that that can be like Peter, how his shadow just automatically, naturally, by nature, flowed out of him, the aura, the vibrational level, and healed people. And as I said earlier, Peter probably didn't even know who all was healed. It was just such an automatic thing that even bypassed his awareness. Now, as I said, I believe that our subconscious is also our success door, or our subconscious can lock up our success. And this is very important for us to understand. The good news, though, if we have our subconscious so filled with negativity that it locks up our success, then I believe we need to understand that in Genesis 1.28 that we read when we started, it told us there that we have dominion. Now, to have dominion doesn't mean we have to fight or we have to bind or loose or deny or any of that sort of a thing. To have dominion means we come to the realization and we can rest. We're not fighting. We're realizing and we're resting in who he made us to be in Christ and as Christ in the earth. Now, let me give you another example because, you know, people talk about fruit an awful lot and they say, well, you're known by your fruit and so forth. And a lot of times, you know, people think, well, I got to try real hard to bear this fruit. Well, you can't really do that. No more than a tree has to struggle and wipe its brow to bear fruit do we have to fight and struggle to bear fruit. What we need to do, and I put a post on just this morning about the importance of living from the inside, living by nature. And I believe in 2021, we're going to see more people begin to live by nature, to live from the inside out. But in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it talks there about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, faith, patience, and all of that sort of a thing. But at the end, there's a little phrase at the end of verse 22 when it lists all of the fruit of the Spirit. It says there, against such there is no law. What does that mean? Against such, there is no law. It means there's no resistance. The fruit is automatic. The fruit is just automatic and spontaneous. And many times it even bypasses the conscious awareness. Now, there's a scripture in Psalm 104 and verse 16 that says this, the trees of the Lord are full of sap. Now, it's not calling us a sap. But we're full of sap. We are the trees of the Lord. We are trees of righteousness. What is the sap? Well, sap is life. The word sap is synonymous with life. And it has to do, in a literal tree, it has to do with the root system. So I could even bring the energy fields in here, the root energy field where we're real rooted and grounded. 
once that is opened and flowing, then fruit is also, it's going to help the fruit to flow freely. So what you see in a natural tree is what is it that produces the fruit? Well, it's the sap. It's the life in the root system that goes up the root system, up the trunk, out through the limbs, and then the limbs bear the fruit. So what is this talking about in Galatians 5.22 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and then it says against such there is no law. What that's talking about is that the fruit has got to spontaneously flow or it's not true fruit. It may appear like fruit, look like fruit. It may be a, you know, a good intention within us to bear fruit. But if it's through a struggle and if we have to make ourselves bear fruit, then it's not the fruit of life. It's not coming forth from the inside of us. So what I see here is once the subconscious realm has lodged within it the truth that we have put in our conscious realm or our conscious level, then there's no thing against such there is no law, there is no resistance, there's no blocking. It at times even bypasses our awareness. Now, we can think of many people in the scriptures. I'm going to give you just a few examples here. But we can think of people in the scriptures that had extraordinary lives and they were thrown in situations that, you know, people thought they were going to die, but they didn't die. For example, Daniel was thrown in the lion's den and they had made sure that the lions were extra hungry because they wanted to make sure that the lions were going to tear him to shreds and eat him up. Well, what happened? Well, I think he was found laying his head on one of the lions. What is the common denominator here? The subconscious was programmed and it freely flowed. Same way with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fire was heated up seven times hotter than ever before, meaning it was heated up as hot as it could have been heated up. And it says they gave no power. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego gave no power to the fire whatsoever. How could they do that? To the point to where the fourth man was seen in the fire. How could they do that? That was the subconscious. That was the subconscious that was reprogrammed, if it needed reprogrammed. The script was rewritten, and what was deposited into the subconscious was what they put into their conscious awareness. What about Paul? After Acts chapter 22, the ship that they were on, and, and it was destroyed, and they were on little pieces of wood from the ship. Once they got off of all of those pieces of wood and the storm had passed over, in chapter 28, a viper came up and bit Paul the apostle, and he just shook it off. He should have died within an hour, but instead he lived. I believe it was because, because see, Paul had no idea. He didn't have time to pray and say, oh, you're, Lord, don't let a viper bite my hand. And then after the viper bit his hand, I don't think he cried out to God and asked God to do something. I think what happened was he knew that he knew that he knew in his subconscious realm that nothing was going to hurt him. So our success door is located, or our failure door, is located in the subconscious. And depending on what we're sowing into our conscious awareness, we'll either open up that door and cause that success door to cause us spontaneous success within our life. Now, let me take this in another little direction before we close. What are some words that we should use or should not use in the rewriting of the script of the subconscious or reprogramming the subconscious. Well, 
Let me give you about eight different scenarios here. For example, what we should say is I am one. I am one. We've always been one, but we should say I am one as opposed to saying I am not separate because that puts the focus on something that is not. I'm not separate. It's true we're not separate, but what we should say is I am one. When it comes to health, we should say I am health. He is my health as me. I am health as opposed to I am not sick. Number three, I am wealth as opposed to I am not lacking. See, it's a subtle difference there, but there's still a difference, and it's a big difference. Number four, I am complete as opposed to I am not incomplete. Five, I am holy as opposed to I am not unholy. Number six, I am love as opposed to I am not unloving. Number seven, I am worthy as opposed to I am not unworthy. Number eight, I am pleasing as opposed to I am not unpleasing. Now, what we're going to do as we talk more on these three levels of thought, we're going to also bring in the divine imagination. And we're going to bring in the feelings. See, I believe the woman that said within herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. And Jesus didn't even know that uh, anyone had touched her or didn't know who touched him other than he felt virtue going out of him. But you see, she said within herself, and I believe that was accompanied by feeling, I don't have to go to the doctor anymore. I don't have to be looked down on anymore. I don't have to be criticized anymore. I believe there was a divine imagination, you see, and that has to do with the right side, and there was the feeling or the emotional aspect of that that was brought in with this woman that had the issue of blood. So we're going to deal with the divine imagination we're going to deal with the feeling, the emotion of the heart, not emotions in and of themselves from the left side, but the feelings. You see, once we know that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ, and once we know we have all things and we can abundantly means we can experience them whenever we want to, once we really know that, you see, then we can feel the feel of that, the emotion of that, of, of really experiencing that subjectively. Now, let me say this. We talk about divine imagination, and we're going to bring that in, as I said. And, of course, divine imagination is pictured in the Old Testament by the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the two cherubim that were on the top? Those two cherubim represent apprehended ones, but also represent divine imagination. They were on the top of the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place. Now, is there an imagination of the left side? Absolutely, there's an imagination of the left side. In Genesis chapter 11, remember when the people imagined to build a tower to heaven, their efforts were not lasting. It was not fruit that remained. As a matter of fact, the work was halted. And you know that the word tower there, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means a pulpit or a podium. And that's what many are doing today in religion. They're behind a pulpit trying to work their way to some heaven when they die or trying to work their way to heaven when a rapture takes place rather than realizing they're already seated in the heavenly places. You couldn't be in heaven any more than you are right now. And many are decreeing through works and toil and sweat from the pulpit, the tower. They're decreeing works and people will never experience what we're talking about. We have to experience it by turning within and living by nature. So the the divine imagination is a higher imagination. 
It's a higher imagination and it's from the Christ mind or from the right side. See, Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he likened imagination to vain imagination. So there's vain imagination from the left side, but there's divine imagination from the right side. Now, let me close with this. In Jeremiah chapter 18, we see the story there of the potter. And I want to read in Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 6, and then I want to make a few comments, and then we may come back to this uh, next week as we continue on these three levels of thought. But notice what it says in Jeremiah 18, beginning with verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down. How many know the way we arise is by going down within? Reminds me of the key of knowledge in, I think, Luke chapter 11, where Jesus was dealing there with the religious people. And he told them that, you know, they don't have the key of knowledge because they won't turn within and they hinder those that want to turn within. That's the key of knowledge is turning within. So here in verse 2, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. That's the only way we're going to hear the truth by the Spirit is by turning within where Spirit is. Verse 3, then I went down to the potter's house, or went within myself, because we're the potter's house, went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Now, I'm going to tell you what the wheels mean to show you that this is talking about the work done on the conscious awareness. But let me read this first. Verse 4, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred. See, our awareness was marred. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost, not people that were lost, because we didn't come here as sinners. We came here upright, Ecclesiastes 7.29. But we sought out many inventions trying to, you know, prove to ourselves and other people that we were not upright. But we didn't come here as We were in him from before the foundation. In fact, it tells us in Ephesians 1.4 that we were even saved. We came here objectively saved, Yes, we receive that to subjectively experience it, but the word receive means we receive that which is already ours. So a number of places, it tells us that from before the foundation of the world, we were chosen, we were called, we were made blameless, and we were even saved. So you see, the work had to take place in the awareness, not in the core constitution of our being. Verse 4, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Verse 5, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, and we know who Israel is, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Now, in verse 2, it states there, arise and go down to the potter's house. What is that talking about? That's talking about the fact that we go down within ourselves is the way we arise and awaken and experience this resurrection life subjectively. And that is how we hear, because verse 1 says, to hear the word of the Lord. In fact, verse 2 also says, as we go down within ourselves, we will hear the word of the Lord. Now, the potter's house, listen to this, the potter's house in the Hebrew means to determine and to form a resolution. So we need to turn within to form a resolution for our conscious awareness 
that will cause those thoughts then to go down to the subconscious realm and cause us to just automatically live from within and really bear fruit that remains. So as we turn within and as we go down to the potter's house, we draw from within. What does it do? It forms a resolution. That's what potter's house means. And we rewrite the script that is in the subconscious part that has caused us to be sabotaged all our life, caused the success door to be shut. This is so good. Now, in verse 3, notice it says, he wrought a work on the wheels. Now, the word wheels there in the Hebrew means a pair of stones, but listen to this. It means midwife's stool. What does a midwife do? A midwife is there to be with a woman that is giving birth. A woman, the feminine part, the feminine principle. So in other words, what this is saying is, as we go down or turn within, a work is done on the feminine part, a resolution is formed in our awareness, which even goes deeper then into the reprogramming of the subconscious. Now notice he said there in the last verse, in verse 6, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Now, if we want to find out who Israel is, Paul the Apostle in Romans 2 stated that not all that are of Israel are Israel. Israel, the true Israel of God, according to Romans chapter 2, are a people that have had circumcision. What is circumcision of the flesh? Circumcision is not cutting off a part of an organ. Circumcision, spiritual circumcision, is yielding the left side that would want to operate in and of itself, the intellect, the human reasoning, the logic, nothing wrong with it. It's just simply, it's just simply the part that must submit and yield, just as a woman yields when she wants to have a baby. She yields to the husband so the sperm of the seed can be deposited in. She carries the baby for approximately nine months. Her womb goes into labor and she gives birth to that infant. So it's the same principle as in the natural, so in the spiritual. So what this is talking about when he's talking about the house of Israel, he's talking about a people that have learned to deposit the truth into their individual awareness. He's talking about a people that have, as they have brought the truth to their individual awareness or consciousness, it has then been lodged in the subconscious, and they are able then to bear this fruit that remains in a deeper level and in a deeper way. And it'll even bypass. In other words, there'll be such a free flow out of our life, just as Peter, as I said, his vibrational level was so high, his aura reached out at least 31 feet from him, as quantum science says today, and the people that came in contact with him, that's the greater works, were healed, were made whole subjectively and they experienced it and Peter probably totally bypassed his mind he probably had no idea who experienced the health the healing at that time so this is what we're going to be dealing with for a few weeks I'm not sure how long but we will as I said bring the divine imagination and the feeling of the heart into it and we'll begin to see how that once the subconscious is reprogrammed as a result of sowing spirit seeds into our consciousness, our individual awareness, it will reprogram the subconscious and the success door will be opened and we'll be able to bear fruit against such there is no law as we read in Galatians 
nothing will repel it, nothing will hinder it, nothing will be able to stop it. It'll be that great of a flow out of our life. Well, I trust you enjoyed this today, and I trust you'll have a wonderful week this week coming into that 2021. As I said earlier, I'm looking forward to, yes, a new normal, but a greater new normal than we ever had before. And what I hear in that is the normal. We're going to live normally by nature from the inside to the outside. Bless you all. Have a wonderful week. Until next time, we'll talk to you next week. And until next time, just be good. Be good. I tell people, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Just be good. Blessings.